0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you haven't played Paddy Power Fantasy yet, you're missing out. But on the upside, if you haven't played it
1: yet, you qualify for a risk-free first go. Get up to 20 pounds back as cash when you play Paddy Power Fantasy. And because every NFL game day is a season in itself, you don't have to wait to find out if you've won. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting,
0: love winning. New customer offer. Min £5, max £20 refund. T's and C's apply. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18plusbgumblerware.org. plus.
2: Hello and welcome to the Natcoom Show, presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Greg Brady in the house. We'll check in with him shortly to talk, of course, about 49ers, Ravens, the Pats going down on Sunday Night football. The Cleveland Browns season pretty much done and dusted. What about those Miami Dolphins? That trickery aplenty from Brian Flores. We'll get into all of that and more in a crazy weekend of football in the NFL. Uh, we're also going to be catching up with a very special guest, a Guinness World Record holder, no less. Jacob Barner, who watched every single NFL team, all 32 of them, in a world record 84 days earlier on in this season. He stopped for breath. And caught up with us. We'll check in with him a little bit later on in the show. And don't forget, follow us on social media at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, loads of extra video content, bonus content, links to our Paddy Power Fantasy League, all the good stuff over on our social channels from Alex, Tom and the crew, right? Let's get down to business and the great Greg Brady. Greg Brady, I don't know where to start, man. Uh, You know, we got 49's Ravens, one of the games of the season on paper anyway, the Patriots losing in Sunday night football, the Bengals winning a game, Miami's... Crazy trickery and Freddie Kitchens T-shirt. All of those, all of those, we have to, we have to get into. It's impossible to know where to begin.
0: Are you getting me one of those Freddie Kitchens T-shirts for Christmas? I mean, it's not, it's not too late. Amazon ships late. Uh, Pittsburgh started it. I'd, I'd be good around Toronto wearing that. I think.
2: Uh, I think. I think I'd go fine. I might just send you a version <laughs> of it related to our show, which was Carlson started it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See yeah. Over on, the man.
0: years, there have been more. Uh, he's. he's <laughs> I finished more than he started. I'll put it that way. Yes. <laughs> Escalated Amen. it.
2: Amen. Let's go 49ers-Ravens. Why not, considering it was two of the very best in the business and living up to the hype, maybe not quite as we'd anticipated pregame, although the the conditions, of course, had a huge amount uh, to do with that, limiting the passing offense of both sides, particularly the Ravens. Lamar Jackson not completing a pass of over 20 yards all game. Not that that ever seems to bother Lamar Jackson. Not quite uh, a flurry of highlight real maneuvers but nevertheless showing us once again why he's the front runner for MVP and of course decided by the best kicker in the business as we thought it might we thought it might come down to t- to fine margins and it did
0: yeah honestly Justin Tucker uh, not enough gets mentioned and it's too bad we're seeing on on a day when we're seeing Adam Vinatieri really struggle again for Indianapolis his second NFL home we're seeing 30 year old Justin Tucker i mean this guy was just a kid just a baby when uh, Baltimore went to the super bowl last time Led by Joe Flacco against the uh, Colin Kaepernick led San Francisco 49ers. But yeah, I mean, we'd take this as a Super Bowl rematch. We would hope for better conditions, uh, and not as much, you know, rain and wind and sleep. But, but I think you nailed it. I, it. It had a lot of drama to it. It had a lot of tension to it. There were a lot of big fourth down decisions that I think both Mike Shanahan and John Harbaugh were, were forced into, uh, from time to time. And we saw great defense. It's everybody, Not everybody ripped on the Patriots-Rams uh, Super Bowl last year. I didn't mind certain elements of it. Love yeah. watching great defense play at a, at a high level. And we had so many high-scoring playoff games before that. So, um, yeah, uh, the only things that would be more dramatic probably are Aaron Rodgers going to his first Super Bowl in nine years. I guess Brady going to his 10th Super Bowl overall. But we'd sign up for Baltimore-San Francisco again, hopefully with a little – Little bit better weather in Miami uh, in February.
2: We are uh, surely that you just haven't just jinxed Miami. We're expecting a <laughs> blazing hot Super Bowl. Uh, you spot on with the defense being not just for purists. That's what I say to our newer listeners that have come along for the ride uh, this season. I mean, just case in point, Marcel Harris's strip of Lamar. I mean, that is a uh, mm-hmm. just a beautiful play. I would have that up there with the acrobatic one-handed falling back almost out of the end zone receiver catches. It was uh, it was an absolutely a genius move, and as you say, that, of course, uh, represented uh, defense stepping up uh, on both sides. The Niners actually outgained the Ravens, yardage-wise anyway, 331 to 283 on the road. They made the Ravens punt uh, for the first time since November the 3rd, so there were kind of wins on, on, on both sides defensively. Let's talk about those fourth down decisions that you mentioned. Carl Shanahan is the one in the firing line right now, certainly on social media yeah. from a lot of 49ers fans and, and neutrals looking on getting a huge amount of criticism uh, for that play call. So it was fourth and one, and he decided to pass it out of the shotgun, less, didn't run it. Uh, justified this in the post-game presses by saying, look, I saw the line stacked, so we adjusted accordingly. Uh, but understandably, Greg, baffling some people that he didn't just go for the ground, considering how reasonably successful they'd been on the ground, they didn't just go to, to run it in. They went to a, to a passing play
0: yeah and they were having a running back obviously in uh, in Raheem mostert that was having a fantastic day if if you give the ball to him try and let him cut through a hole off tackle and and he can't get the 1 yard or he can't get the 10 inches basically that they needed that's one thing um but if but if it yeah if it stopped with a a tricky passing play um especially when, when you know i don't think a field goal was an option baltimore did that earlier in that game where they had the potential to kick a long, long field goal. It would have been fifty-seven yards for Justin Tucker, and they they neglected to do so. And and that was probably I would have punted to be perfectly honest to play the field yeah. position game. But the Ravens' defense really, you know, bailed out any any form of wrongdoing with that decision by stopping the 49ers from uh, from getting into field goal range. So yeah, just a, a real back and forth game. I, I you know, and I said at the time. Um, while the game was happening, that I thought the Ravens actually needed it a little more. I, w- I would have been a little more, um, conservative had I been the 49ers. You're on the road. Had they ended up with a tie, that's not a bad yeah. result. Um, and, and this loss isn't a terrible result either. It's, it's yeah. only their, they're obviously their second of the season, but they go play in New Orleans next week. So you've got a 10 and 2 team against a 10 and 2 team. Another great game. It's two great games next week, really, with Ravens at Bills. Um and, uh, Lamar Jackson in Buffalo and obviously 49ers at Saints. But the last week of the season at San Francisco at Seattle, I think we're pretty sure that'll get flexed into the, uh, the late night, uh, you know, eight o'clock, one o'clock, uh, AM game for, for NBC. But nonetheless, um, it'd be, I think the 49ers have raised such expectations now that mm. starting on the road in the playoffs would, would feel a little bit of a letdown, but one of them, either them or the Seahawks are going to have to.
2: Yeah, big time. And of course, recording this, we don't know what's going on or what will happen Monday night football. Uh, a really tough one to call. Ollie, our producer, and I were chatting about it just before. We started recording it today. I mean, it could conceivably see a Vikings win there, but we will get into that on Wednesday with, mm-hmm. with Iron Mike. Interestingly, you mentioned next week's games and the AFC playoff race and seeding specifically because the Patriots have the Chiefs. We'll talk about the Patriots in a moment and their defeat to the Texans. They got the Chiefs which uh, bearing in mind what we saw of Kansas City yesterday is going to be a tall order. Uh, saw so both of them respectively going to be even taller an order. And as you say, the Bills have the Ravens, right? If the Chiefs win and the Bills win, the Bills will be the number one seed in the AFC. How about that? <laughs> Mind blowing.
0: Yeah, is this night? Are, are we in the early '90s? Is everybody walking around wearing <laughs> Zubaz pants uh, of their favorite NFL team? It's been it's been quite a while, and it just
2: the old Capri it seemed- ski jacket uh,
0: <laughs> <it seems laughs> and, and those those starter hats. Uh, yeah, the it's it's been a strange, uh, long, strange, miserable ride for the Buffalo Bills. And there's many more franchises that can claim frustration as a late. The Raiders, the Dolphins, the Bills. The Browns, the Lions—they're they're the usual suspects, really. But this would be a major step up because two years ago, that that playoff for Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor starting—it almost seems like a, 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 it didn't happen. It, it was a, it was a dream. We we're, we're waking up and we don't remember it. And and the Bills Let's fans the would dream. love to—they'd love to forget it because they scored three points in the game against Jacksonville, and we wrote off Jacksonville. Maybe even after that game, thinking how lethargic they looked and. Obviously they go into Hines Field and, and, and steamrolled Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. But yeah, yeah, I, I just, I was so blown away, Nat. I'm sure you've talked about it, but Buffalo going into Dallas, especially after the Cowboys opening drive, which was very, you know, workmanlike and, and just clockwork. I just couldn't believe how Buffalo kept rolling, kept the pedal on, made great defensive plays. And Josh Allen just, this is why you just can't judge quarterbacks after 10 games, 15 games, maybe even 20 games. Josh Allen looks the part of, yeah. of a guy that can get things done there.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That was a, a really important game for him, I think. Not just because it was Thanksgiving primetime, that it was the Cowboys and the attention was on him. And let's face it, Buffalo is a market, much as it's a great market for football, such a hardcore fans, mm-hmm. brilliant fans, they don't get the attention that, that the uh, other teams get. Understandably, they've been you know, also around for a long time now. And I think even now they're competitive, that affects Josh Allen, the perception there.
0: Well, and they're going to play big games on TV, uh, and you know, over the Christmas holidays, uh, w- when you and I have, you know, maybe had enough of our families, which is just hard to b- hard to imagine. Uh, we can call it work, though. We can, just, just, we can call it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but they flex Bills Steelers. Now, this this is less likely for UK fans to be able to see the whole game live, but they flex Bills at Steelers into prime time. So that's December fifteenth, and then the very next week they play a Saturday afternoon game on the last Saturday before Christmas. In New England. So Buffalo goes to Foxborough, 4.30 start on the Saturday, uh, 9.30 UK time start. So oh, yeah, yeah they're getting it. massive attention for, for what they've accomplished.
2: It's forgotten the Saturday Christmas games. Legend. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me about that. Hey, you know the difference between the Ravens and the Browns is all in the T-shirts. Because as we said, Freddie Kitchens wearing the Pittsburgh started a T-shirt on Friday. And more of that in a minute. Lamar, hmm. you know what Lamar wore after the win? In, in i didn't presses. i
0: spotted justin tucker's news or i didn't see what lamar had on tell it tell lamar
2: had a t-shirt that said nobody cares work harder <laughs> i love it <laughs> so we'll also get you that for christmas Carson uh, carlson started it i'll chuck in the Freddie kitchens one as well oh yeah and a nobody cares work harder brady
0: <laughs> not bad not bad
2: uh, love the so idea of it let's move on to texas pat in new england uh really really concerning offensively in particular right it's not Let's not overlook what the Texans did defensively, because New England had given up four touchdowns in its first 11 games, gave up four to Deshaun Watson and co. last night. But it was the offense that, once again, is the issue. Not even the ground game, it's the the passing game. I think what Patriots fans, and indeed McDaniels, and ultimately Belichick and Brady will be hanging on to, Greg, is, and we've referenced it a few times in recent weeks, it just needs a little bit more time with Mo Sanu, relatively new to the offense, and Keel Harry, relatively new to the offense and to the NFL gelling. If those two can get it together, mm-hmm. and Brady, because we saw some, you know, off timing there with, with Harry in particular in, in this one, if, if br- they can get it together, Brady has the confidence in them to start using them regularly, productively. That would just ease the burden. The ground game is as solid as it, ha- it can look. Uh, they can come bring it together with White and White coming out of the backfield too and Sony Michelle. They should be all right. But at the moment, it is misfiring.
0: Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Um, and look, there's this c- conventional race to be the first person to be right eventually about, well, that's it for the Patriots. And people have been trying and playing this game. And failing at this game for seven years, maybe eight years that this will, this will be it for New England and, and not just sort of a, a misstep or a, you know, a misfire in a playoff game or you lose to the Peyton Manning Broncos or the Joe Flacco Ravens, which they did twice to each team. But nonetheless, yeah, it's, it, you look at the stats from last night's game and it's still hard to figure. How it all went down. New England actually, and some of it seems like now it's, it was garbage time because it was 21 to three at at a certain point in the third quarter and the Pats outscored Houston 19 to seven the rest of the way. But yeah, Tom Brady was, I don't think it's all the receivers. I think Brady is just, there's a little something missing. There's a, he's not reading the blitz quite like he used to. He's a little off on his throats, even to, even to a target that we didn't mention that he knows really well. Julian Edelman, not twelve targets last night, and just the six receptions. And he was Edelman was keeping them alive the very first drive of the game, where they had to settle for the field goal. I think he made three catches on third down. And if he did he? Made two, and a third was that uh, that that roughing um, roughing the passer penalty. Uh, when, uh, when they got an extra 15 yards. So they need to, they, the absence of Josh Gordon, man, that hurts a lot. They, exactly. I, I thought they were going to really roll with him and then he figured it all out and, and just what a really, really unfortunate injury. So I'm not, you know, it's hard to be as up on the Patriots, I think, as what you're saying is, as, as, uh, as, as it was three, four weeks ago. But it's also hard to, it's just so hard to see them starting on the road. It's hard to see them even exactly. playing the first weekend of the NFL playoffs. So that Buffalo game looms large, um, and it's a huge, huge opportunity. It's the first time I think anybody has really kicked the door open in the AFC East. So we've had teams squeak into the playoffs, the Mark Sanchez Jets, um, and obviously the the Dolphins with Matt Moore a few years ago. But nobody's really banged the door open when Brady's been healthy and said, we're going to come and take that division from you. And this is this is the closest going into December, now that we're in December, that anyone's come to saying, I might do that.
2: You're so right about the amount of times that they've been written off, including as recently as last season. They obviously dropped a few at the start of the season. Then they had that mm-hmm. around about this time, wasn't it? They had that back to back blips so with the Miami Miracle and then the, uh, the Steelers defeat the week after. And all these reports were circulating again and, and often for the same reasons that, uh, Brady's not on rhythm. He's missing a beat in terms of his, Fluency passing. They don't have enough weapons. Yada yada yada. Gronk looks banged up, uh, and I mean that was being said throughout most of last season that Gronk was done. And of course, we all know how last season played out. Well, Plus. yeah,
0: and and even playoffs. I think it's worth mentioning the L.A. Chargers. Uh, it's right? hard to think about now who've won four of twelve games this year. Now we're we're a twelve and four wild card team, and just obliterated Lamar Jackson in the wild card weekend. And a lot of people thought Philip Rivers in L.A. were going to go into Foxborough. And if not, beat the, beat the Patriots. They were going to make it real interesting in the fourth quarter. And they got, they got slapped hard. And, and the game, that game was over halfway through the, the second quarter. So, and, and obviously going into Arrowhead, right? People thought it's Patrick Mahomes year. He's the MVP. Kansas City's the one seed. And yeah, close game went right to overtime and the Chiefs didn't even get to touch the ball offensively. But, I, the, the Baltimore threat seems really really real and the idea of having to go to Baltimore if you're New England and not have it at Foxborough um that's that's the odds they're facing right now if they don't get this together and go on a run
2: big win for the Texans obviously uh mm-hmm. being the Patriots is one thing but also divisionally given the Titans won again uh the Texans needed that they stay on top of the South eight and four and reports coming out over the last few days Ian Rappaport amongst them reporting that JJ Watt could be back for the playoffs which is uh a huge boost for them if that's true.
0: It's a really big boost for them given they, you know, they obviously had to trade Clowney, uh, they, they, I'm not sure they've gotten exactly what they wanted to from Barcavius Mingo who took a, uh, who took the bad penalty that kept a Patriots drive going last night. This tells you how difficult it is to, for the NFL to figure out, Nat. I think you were on air a couple of weeks ago with, with Ravens or with Texans at Ravens and we thought fantastic game of the day, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. And Baltimore just, just, just ran over them like, like over and over again, 41-7. So you think Houston is really, really, and they want a tight game against the Colts last weekend, and then this Patriots win. Here's the interesting thing. You mentioned Tennessee. Obviously nobody forecasts Tennessee getting back in the playoff hunt, let alone the division hunt with the switch from Marcus Mariota, who won a playoff game two years ago at Arrowhead Stadium, to, to Ryan Tannehill. And they, the Titans still play the Ravens twice – or sorry, the uh, the Titans still play the Texans twice. They haven't played yet this year. So they've got a Week 15 game uh, in Tennessee, and they've got a Week 17 game in Houston. So it's a really unusual scheduling quirk that sees the top two AFC South teams. I think the only two teams really – the Colts have really played themselves out of this with a couple losses, especially home losses, that they shouldn't have had. And we know the Jags are, are also rans for this year. So two great games uh, the next few weeks with uh, with Titans playing Texans.
2: Big time, the Titans – crucial win of course against the Colts to again, again for that divisional component not least because their momentum keeps on rolling. When Tano took over from Mariota they were two and four and done I don't think anybody saw them being in the situation now but rolling again with him five and one as their starter and Derek Henry who mm-hmm. we know is immense talent hasn't managed to bring it together consistently up until well right about now third straight game Greg that he's run for over a hundred yards or more and he looks when he's in this kind of form Almost unstoppable, doesn't he?
0: Crazy. He might be the best running back going in the league right now, and that's right? really saying something. There have been some really good performances. Hard to believe also, and and I mentioned this to someone this weekend, Todd Gurley is the same age as Derrick Henry. And it feels like Derrick Henry is coming into peak form and might have another two, three good years as an elite running back. And we're worried we've already seen the best of Todd Gurley, which which tells you again with usage and uh you know, I I still think with the jury's still out on Leonard Fournette. Uh, who we've both seen in person yeah. a few times like th- there's there's something still there he was too good coming out of LSU in college uh, to be dried up after just you know two and a half seasons but you're right Tennessee has done all the right things their defense probably not getting enough credit I thought uh, and Brown yesterday had a fantastic game for Tennessee against the Colts um, you know a, a real reach for the Titans in the I think the fourth or fifth round a couple years ago and he's fit in could be a pro bowler this year so I, I'm as shocked as anybody. They'll be the surprise team of the entire playoffs. Uh, the Titans will if they get in, uh, because there are certain teams we just we were certain in the AFC. I think we gave the Chargers a playoff spot. We probably gave yeah. the Steelers even a playoff spot, knowing at the start of the year with Big Ben healthy. So Tennessee's going to obviously wreck someone's playoff ambitions if they keep this up.
2: Another desperately frustrating defeat for the Chargers. And talk pregame reports flying around, Greg, that Philip Rivers could get benched which is something that's unfathomable to think about even a few weeks ago but he's been in uh, bad form and one of the all-time uh, great quarterbacks of mm. his generation anyway and, and I think it's likely he will uh, be in the conversation for the Hall of Fame whether he, he gets over the line or not he's one of those on the right on the line kind of players isn't he along with Eli mm. Manning his counterpart better all-round career stats than, than Manning and probably a better quarterback uh, consistently but no rings, and and that does count for for a lot. Do you think that they're they're really looking seriously at moving on from Rivers, or is it a case of he's in bad form? We're going to bench him till till he regroups because their season's done, so they haven't really got. It's if like they think. Well, well, let's bring in a backup, and we might you know sneak over. Uh, the through the back door into a wild card spot the season's done so what value is there in, in benching rivers at the moment?
0: Yeah, I, I'm of two minds. I think this is his last year with the LA Chargers. He's he's thirty-eight, I think, in before next weekend's game. Um so you're closer to thirty nine by the time training camp starts next year. Uh he's out of contract with the Chargers and there's been a there's been but I but I wouldn't bench him and I'll tell you why in a sec. But I think there's been some sort of separation to some extent. This is the the Chargers' third year in Los Angeles since they moved from San Diego. And he decided to stay living in San Diego. And he commutes every single day to the training camp. He doesn't go for a few days at a time. And we, we all know, because uh, the jokes have been there, he's got this massive family. And Matt, Nat, I can't even remember if he's going from seven to eight kids or eight to nine kids within the next year but it's
2: one of I, I those think a, i think it's a double digits. i'm pretty sure you keep <laughs> cookie, i'm gonna look it up
0: <laughs> but either way he's obviously uh needed at home there's no amount of uh of help around the home for Mrs. Rivers. Uh, and if, if she wants to leave the house uh, ever, uh, it's better that, that uh, Philip's back home. So it, it's a strange one because I don't know that this will be the conventional, well, he'd like to play somewhere else uh, and go and be the Chicago Bears starting quarterback next year. Like there's got to be somebody wow. that thinks I can get another year or two out of a guy that's had the kind of career Philip Rivers has had. But is it going to be appealing to Philip Rivers, who who probably, you know, has got, you know, nine digits when he, uh, you know, takes uh, – uh, takes money out of his bank account. He sees nine digits staring back at him. I, I don't know what the incentive is. to, And, he, and he's going to leave relatively healthy. Um, it's hard to believe we'd have an NFL next year already with Eli Manning potentially retiring this offseason and a Phillip yeah. Rivers. But, but the irony and, and the juxtapose that you mentioned there is obviously two players traded for themselves. Um, or traded for each other, I should say, with some parts here and there, because you know Manning refused to go play for the then San Diego Chargers uh, and traded the first pick for the fourth pick. So the Giants get Eli, who wins two Super Bowls. But as you said, the Chargers more playoff games. Um, I don't think Philip Rivers has more playoff wins, but statistically speaking, he probably can make more of a case for the Hall. Of- I'm not sure either. Either don't feel like lock Hall of Fames to me, no. but there is a conversation. There is certainly a discussion about both of them.
2: Uh, nine kids, incidentally, is uh, <laughs> what the Rivers, the Rivers family are uh, made up of. So congratulations there. The idea of Philip Rivers not playing for in the Chargers uniform. Uh, will be difficult to to see. Let's move on to their counterparts. R- really key win for the Chiefs because the Raiders for much of the season were the upstart contenders in the West. Surprisingly, when we, as he said earlier, we thought the Chargers were going to be the ones pushing Kansas City all the way. But they disappointed the Raiders, that is, last week against the Jets. And they disappointed, again, perhaps more understandably, against a revived Kansas City offense, putting up 40 points uh, against Oakland. You'd think now that means Oakland's uh, promising old season is is probably done. Um And what does it tell you about about Kansas City? Can we tell a huge amount from how strong the offense looked, given the fact the Raiders were pretty woeful once again, Greg?
0: Well, pretty into Kansas City's offense. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes didn't have to do a, a ton. You know, if I told you Patrick Mahomes would only have fifteen completions against the, the Raiders, yeah. you'd be pretty worried, and you wouldn't you sure you sure wouldn't think it was a forty to nine blowout. But but they're they're doing a lot of stuff on both sides of the ball. I worried earlier that they were sort of you know almost uh, almost had too many options at running back and they weren't really settling in on uh, you know running back running back by committee usually first two people rushing the ball but they've obviously had have had three they've loved Darwin Thompson they've yeah. added LaShawn McCoy into the mix who couldn't get much going yesterday and Darrell Williams so and, and obviously Mahomes likes to take off and run as he showed with his 13-yard touchdown yesterday but but I think Williams it's all coming his hamstring,
2: together didn't he in the game just yeah. In there. Yeah. So he he got so Thompson came in for Williams. I think so. Keep keep an eye on that because that he could be out for a few weeks. Williams. Yeah, that. that's
0: right. Well, yeah. Williams only had the six carries. I forgot about that. But but yeah. I mean, the options are all there for for passing. To, you know, Tyree Kill is who he is. Travis Kelsey's an elite tight end. They've got it all there. It's just, are they going to get stops? Are they going to get stops against a really good? offense in the playoffs. What do they do run into Baltimore again in the postseason? What do they see Deshaun Watson, the way Deshaun Watson played last night? So yeah. uh, look, the Chiefs are just, Chiefs fans just seem to brace for that, that, you know, they, they know they'll be in the playoffs. They've been a consistently good franchise for a long, long time now. Um, but they, they've had, they, you know, they finally broke that uh, long losing streak at Arrowhead. I think they've lost six or seven in a row in terms of home playoff games before last season when they got it done in the, uh, in, in the first round. But, I, there's, there's still that. Chiefs fans are waiting for at least one of the four wheels to fall off at a certain point in time and see if they can get over the goal line with just the three wheels on. So uh, until they actually do, until they clinch that, that first Super Bowl since, what are we talking, Super Bowl three, I think their fans are going to stress that something's going to go wrong in January.
2: <laughs> right. And the, uh, I guess the worrying signs once again for, for Kansas City, Josh Jacobs running for over a hundred yards once again. I know he's done that against most teams this season, although the Jets notably kept him in, in check last week, but the, this run defense of the Chiefs is worrying, and if looking at some of the teams they're going to go up, so even even the Patriots going into this weekend, mm-hmm. the Patriots. will talk about their passing offense misfiring; they're not going to be that worried about it if uh, they can uh, dominate the ground game against the Chiefs, which is very doable. Let alone. Kansas City going up against this Baltimore rushing offense, so uh, it's going to be a case, I think, of can we outgun you because they're not going to be able to hold teams like that. I don't think.
0: Well, I'm, I'm two things. I'm glad you brought up Jacobs because I, you know, he's he's going to get lost the, the last few weeks because the Raiders aren't going to play too many meaningful games. But I've been so impressed with him and his acceleration, like his ability to run. Towards people and then past right. them uh, is is kind of defying logic right now. But and you remind me for those
2: few more. Sorry, Greg. The, yeah. the comms were mentioned this in the game yesterday that he just has that fight in him, doesn't he? He'll just keep on grinding for an extra couple of yards. You know when he's when contact is made, he'll just not that you know a big spin off. Spinning off a tackle and picking up seventeen yards after after initial concept, but just grinding through like what do you expect Henry or or you know uh, a player of that physical stature just to kind of carry defenders with him for an extra mm-hmm. few yards. Jacobs in a different kind of way. Well, and I'm
0: glad you brought and and that too, and I'm glad you brought up Patriots Chiefs because we've got three. Uh, you know, it's only Week 14. I think you've got three just knockdown amazing games. I mentioned Ravens Bills. We both talked about 49ers Saints and add Chiefs Patriots. None of them are are late evening games. They're, none of them are Thursday night. None of them are Sunday night. None of them are Monday. Now, here's the problem, Nat. When there's six really good teams playing each other – that means we might have some dud games that we're, <laughs> you want to turn away from and you're like, oh no, you, you couldn't, you, you know, you couldn't strap me to the seat and make me watch that for three and a half hours. Cause there's just, there's a lot of teams, and I'm, and I'm glad we haven't mentioned them. There's a lot of teams playing out the string. There's a lot of teams that are just, that are finished, done and dusted in late November, early December. And, uh, that's probably not what the NFL loves. They, they love a good race and, and they want it. they want every team to feel, every team's fan base to feel like they're in it to some extent. Well, we've had a lot of teams really falter down the stretch, a lot of four and eight, three and nine records, uh, Just more than we usually they, do.
2: There is, on that point, there are a few. So, okay. I'd have Jacksonville in there until they brought Minshew back, because of course they did in the loss to Tampa Bay, twenty-eight, eleven, the final, Nick Foles got benched. Uh, you've got Minshew back for Jacksonville, which had some element of intrigue and watchability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami are not particularly good, but possibly the most, uh, explosively left field side with some of Brian Florence's play calling uh you will see what a win for them against Philly yeah. uh, which Jerry Jones is just going to be licking his chops about and uh, uh we saw one of the more extraordinary plays in recent memory in the NFL didn't we from Miami
0: yeah, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, and that's the first kicker or punter to catch a touchdown. I think since 1975, 76, uh, <laughs> right around there. Ollie Thornton had the stat yesterday. I think it's, I think it's 77. So we're talking 42 years since we've seen a kicker or punter score a receiving, uh, touchdown. And, and when we talk about the bad teams too, yeah, Miami looked like they were zoning in basically all off season and the preseason and the first few weeks of the season on that number one overall draft pick. Cincinnati's in the driver's seat right now. What if the New York Giants, again, are in the top three? They were there two years ago and had the big Sam darnold Saquon Barkley decision. What if the Giants are on the clock come the NFL draft in the spring? E- even in Eli Manning's last season, um, we, we didn't forecast that. We didn't think the Giants, we thought they had at least as good enough uh, defense and some offensive weapons maybe to win four or five games, but they're, they're sneaking right in there because Washington keeps beating teams. Washington beat Detroit. Washington wins over Carolina yesterday. They're getting things done.
2: Well, they get another team, right? So, either Washington, one of those teams you say living out the string. But yeah, with Dwayne Haskins, they beat Carolina. uh, One of the big upsets of the season, I think, let alone uh, of the weekend. So, they're quite watchable. Cincy get their first win of the season. So, go Cincy. The very few teams, actually, when when do you break it down? Arizona, because they got the Kyler Murray factor, and the Rams took them apart yesterday. 34 7 was the, the final there. And God, the Rams needed that win. But there are still something watchable about, about most teams. Now I'm looking at maybe Detroit on, on a short list, Atlanta, I guess, uh, are, uh, are getting to that stage where it's good. But even then they're capable of, you know, high wire offense with, with Matt Ryan and co. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is, Look at me erring on the positive as much as I.
0: Well, can. and, and when you get into December, you talk, you start, unfortunately, for better or worse, for you, for, if it's your franchise, you start talking Black Monday. And I, I think every first year coach, um, you know, I, I really think Taylor's safe in, in Cincinnati. Flores is safe in, 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 in Miami. But think about the, uh, the, the, a lot of the established coaches. I mean, Ron Rivera is a time in Carolina. We all think Dan Quinn's in some trouble in Atlanta. So there's two NFC South coaches. That might be in some trouble. And what, I don't know what you do. If you say, and, and I think they said this in Detroit, Nat, if you say, well, Jim Caldwell's not winning enough games at nine and seven to yeah. get things done. And I wasn't a big Jim Caldwell fan either in Indy or Detroit. I did think he held them back, made some bad late game. How do you, how do you, how do you bring back Matt Patricia if he's four, 11 and one coming mm-hmm. off a six and 10 season? I, uh, that's a tough one because a lot of teams were really interested in that Patricia, uh, coming off that Patriots defensive coordinator job. And it's just been another disappointment there. Maybe there are some people that, that don't, that don't fit as a head coach and the Lions have to decide whether he does or not.
2: He does or not. Oh, he wonder if he's got the staff of defense though. It's always a decent get out, get out of jail card. If, uh, if you're, mm-hmm. the way he was playing, if your starting quarterback goes down, you can say, well, you know, cause they, and to be fair, they were in contention when when he went down. So, yeah, he's an, an intriguing one. Uh, what about those Cleveland Browns and Freddie Kitchens? Let's let's wrap on them because really disappointing defeat for them against the Steelers. I mean, their season is pretty much done. We've been buying into this and the run they've been on. Maybe if they run the table, they can, about five and seven now, it's going to be really, really difficult to see them make the playoffs. And as we referenced and, uh, and, and joked about the top of the show, Freddie Kitchens wearing that T-shirt on a Friday before the game I have been in two minds about Freddie Kitchens. I hear both sides of it. I you know, like the idea of giving a young head coach or a new head coach the benefit of the doubt and a bit of time to, to get into the role. It's kind of ridiculous to be looking at one and dones unless you absolutely have to. But how in any way, shape, or form can you justify a head coach, Greg, wearing a, a T-shirt like that the weekend before a game if you're no. going to go on a you could even, even if they won the game, you could just about, just about say, well, look, he's really galvanized his team and he's that kind of coach. And yeah, there are coaches that are at one extreme, really, really officious and authoritarian and drill sergeant. And at the other end, you got Freddie Kitchens, who's one of the guys. And, but that's okay if the team are winning. But if they're not winning with this amount of talent, you can't justify it at all, can you?
0: No, the T-shirt right right off the gate uh, strikes me as something that a experienced head coach would tell a defensive back or wide receiver or lineman: <laughs> right. don't right. wear that T-shirt. But you're the right. head coach, and you're not an established head coach at that. It's it's not that you should be seen and not heard, but you, you got to earn your way a little bit. And and yeah, I, I get the idea. It's uh, it's us against the world. It's we've got the chip, you know, collective chips on our shoulder. Bottom line, they haven't won enough games against teams that, that they should beat. That, that's a game that with the Steelers struggling and, and with a brand new quarterback, they should win that game. Look at the Broncos game. They lose in Denver. And I know Denver's been a little bit of a tough out at home. The Chargers found that out yesterday. But we're talking five and seven, four and eight football teams. And that's a big struggle for, for Cleveland. We all thought, okay, so they start two and five. The schedule's gonna get a little bit easier. They had a big win now. I think, I think they've got some impressive looking wins now in retrospect. The fact they went into Baltimore, even though it was early in the season, and Baker Mayfield put up 40 points on the Ravens defense, impressive. Yeah. They beat the Bills. They beat the Bills just, what, three weeks ago, and it looked like it was starting to turn a little bit. So, it's, uh, no, their season's done, not cause they're five and seven but just because there's too many teams to hop over. There's too many teams in the conference that have a little bit of an edge on them. And I and I still think the worrying, I mentioned the, the guys that seem safe in Miami and Cincinnati that are first-year coaches, though he's a first-year coach, Freddie Kitchens. The other one I'd look at, and I'm just not sure, is the Jets and Adam Gase. I'm just not sure that the Jets don't hit the reset button right away on Adam Gase. Because Despite if they what don't they see-
2: said? Despite the fact they came I, out and said I know. And the way they played well, yesterday, notwithstanding, the way they've played since they said that.
0: I know. And, and it feels like, look, things had started to get rolling. Three big wins in a row. So it, I think the next four games, how they play and, and they play some teams that, uh, that they can beat. They've got the Dolphins at home. They've got the Steelers at home. They got the other two games are real tough at the Ravens and at the Bills. But if it just feels like there's something all amiss with Sam Darnold's progress. And uh, and I, I love Sam Darnold. He's the guy I would have taken first overall. I look at him and, and Allen. I was going to say, even we don't even know what Josh Rosen is because he's been benched again, and, yeah. and, and he's been in two terrible situations with terrible football teams, Arizona last year and Miami this year. But either way, um, the Jets and Cleveland, they're going to ask themselves questions. They're going to do a lot of self-evaluation. At the end of the season to see if they can upgrade a head coach.
2: Just looking at the playoff picture, uh, it's kind of set really outside of the, the, uh, in the AFC, this is the South, which uh, you have in the hunt, top of in the hunt, the Titans at seven and five, the Colts, uh, six and six, the Raiders also on six and six as well. So the South needs to come out in the wash. The Raiders, you would think when you look at the, Steelers at the moment hold the sixth, the wild card, the sixth seed at seven and five. So, you know, the Raiders are still, will still feel they're in the mix. They just had back to back terrible games. They're not, they're coming into poor form at the worst possible time. The NFC is a bit more straightforward though, really, because mm-hmm. the seventh seed right now, the Rams, seven and five. And if you think about it, the, the Vikes are, well, a lot depends on what happens tonight, of course, but the Vikes eight and three right now holding that six spot. So, it's going to be hard to see because the Bears are 500, but you know, surely they're, they're done. And, and then you're into the Bucks Eagles after that defeat for Philly, five and seven territory. So really the Rams are the only ones that, that could break through out of the chasing pack in the NFC, I think.
0: And they probably, that's a good point. They probably got to get to 10 and six. And how do they get Ooh. to 10 and six? They're going to have to win one of two games. They're going to have to either beat the Rams or sorry, they're going to have to beat the Seahawks who they host mm-hmm. on Sunday night football next week, or they're going to have to go to Santa Clara and beat the 49ers because they're at the mm-hmm. Cowboys and that doesn't look as threatening as it did six weeks ago to right. go into Dallas and, and get a win. The Cowboys are reeling right now, but it, you know, and, and they host the Cardinals the last week of the season. So if they can get to nine and six, love their chances to be 10 and six, but the Vikings will have to stub their toe along the way. And, and mm-hmm. but listen, Minnesota watched this happen last year where they lost key games in December and Kirk Cousins was outplayed in key games in December and Vikings fans are just hoping it doesn't uh, it doesn't happen again that even if they don't even if they can't catch Green Bay and host a playoff game uh they potentially go on the road here's the thing you get a sweet prize if you're that 5th seed in the NFC net because you're going to play the the winner/loser whatever one seed in the NFC East and it's hard to believe a Minnesota right. or or a Seattle or even a San Francisco is going to be an underdog Going to Philadelphia or Dallas because that team's yeah. going to be nine and seven at best. We could easily see an eight and eight uh, division champion in the NFC playing a wild card team that's won 10 or eleven. The, the, honestly, the you could see a twelve and four wild card again, and you could see twelve and four Seattle. Let's say going yeah. and playing an eight and eight Dallas, and they'd be yeah, favored. Yeah
2: yeah. yeah, 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 incredible stuff. And you think it will be Dallas as well after. That um head-scratching Philly defeat, Dallas, you, unbelievably improbably uh, after Thanksgiving in the box seat. Crackered stuff, Greg, uh, always a pleasure and uh, love and deep dive in another crazy weekend of NFL football. Uh, All-pro member of our team, of course. So you will be back for more. In the meantime, get online, find out where you can find those T-shirts. I'm expecting uh, a DHL delivery uh, uh, in time for Christmas so I can put it under the tree.
0: Yeah, Carlson. Well, London started it. It kind of puts everybody under the, and, and we gotta right. make sure that it's a, it's a very established thing. London started it, it would be a great thing for, uh, for a local team to, to come up with.
2: <laughs> Love it. Look over yourself, bud. See you soon.
0: Thanks, Nat. Always.
2: Grack stuff for Brady. He's back as soon, of course. One of our all pro regular lineup on the show. Let's move things swiftly along. Really excited about our next guest, a Guinness World Record holder. Jacob Barner saw every single team in the NFL in 84 days. No matter how he managed it, he's going to tell us now, I'm sure. Let's check in with Jacob. Now, we've had a lot of very special guests on the show in the past. Actors, musicians, sports stars, comedians, even Super Bowl winners. But we've never had a Guinness World Record holder before up until now, that is. Welcome to the show, Jacob Barner.
1: Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me.
2: So explain to our listeners, to our viewers, what the world record is that you've just landed.
1: So I broke the world record for the quickest time to watch a game at every NFL stadium. I did that in 84 days, starting on opening night at the Bears Packers and finishing last night on Thanksgiving.
2: 32 NFL teams at home in 84 days. So what possessed you to try something like this?
1: Uh, Well, I've been an NFL fan for... Nine, ten years, maybe. Um, I played American football back in the UK. And then there was lots of stadiums I've always wanted to go to, like Lambo, Arrowhead, all the kind of old-school ones. And then all these newer ones that were getting built, Atlanta, Minnesota, the, the list was starting to get very, very long. <laughs> and I was decided it would be really cool if I could go and see, you know, five or six of them at a time and maybe go every couple of years to try and see them all over my lifetime and then I was looking it up seeing if other people had done all of the stadiums and I came across an article about somebody who did it and they broke the world record in 20, 2015 and when I saw that I just decided that's that'd be insane if I could do that and <laughs> so after a while of thought I decided to give it a go.
2: So how much planning did it take?
1: Quite a lot it was uh, the, well, the first bit was the schedule so the schedule drops officially around 1am in the UK, so I sat up till about 5am, I think, just planning, you know, is it possible, is there a a way round that does it quick enough, and so after about, yeah, four or five hours, I found a couple of ways that worked, so then picked one that worked, and then it was a good four months, probably, of planning, so I think from the schedule dropping in April, I booked, everything wasn't booked until about mid-August, so (laughs) So there's been a lot of planning to get, all you know, accommodation, tickets, flights, all that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I bet. So so Thursday night football helps, right? And Monday night football helps because it kind of obviously spreads out the the ground you can cover. Did you do multiple games in a single day on a Sunday?
1: No, I haven't done multiple games in a single day. No, just the ones on Sunday. I thought about seeing if I could do, you know, a 1pm Eastern and then a Sunday night game. But I didn't need to, to break the record. And I figured... That could end quite badly, you know. <laughs> trying to get in and out of stadiums is, is is no joke, as I've learned very quickly. So, once I went to the first few games, I was like, "I'm pretty glad I'm not trying to get anywhere on a game day."
2: Did you have any planes, trains, and automobiles style Steve Martin, John Candy moments when everything travel wise was going wrong?
1: It's not been too bad, to be fair. You'd have thought so. You'd have thought, like, I took 27 flights. So you'd have thought it, something's going to go wrong with one of them. But luckily, all of my kind of flight delays were on days where they the flight wasn't on a game day. So the only time I fly on a game day is on a Monday, because I have to go Sunday to Monday. Luckily, all of my delays were on, like, Fridays. So it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't too bad.
2: So, Jacob, most important question, best tailgate? I'd definitely have to say
1: buffalo. The people up there are, are a different breed. I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, Bill's Mafia, that they would be crazy, and it definitely lived up to it. The tailgate I went to, there was maybe thousands of people all all coming for that one and they bring this old uh, 1980s Pinto, uh, this big red car that's all got its original parts and they they cook all the food on the car so they had uh, chicken skewers on screwdrivers cooking on there. There was pizza cooking in a filing cabinet and then at one point they opened a mailbox and there was a full chicken cooking in there so they got some crazy stuff they do up there but Detroit was also really really good as well for a tailgate, they even had a hot tub at their tailgate to keep you warm in the cold Detroit weather.
2: <laughs> that is how you should tailgate quite frankly. Uh, what about favourite <laughs> stadium because you mentioned you saw some of the classic stadiums like Lambo, Soldier Field of course you were there opening night yeah. then uh, you see some of the new stadiums uh, Minnesota's Atlanta's where you ended up, of course. Your final game, Thanksgiving night, was at Atlanta's uh, newish stadium. So, which was your favourite?
1: Atlanta was pretty good, I have to say. It's huge, and these indoor stadiums freak me out a little bit because they're so big and they're indoor, but you feel like you're outdoors. And then they can open the roof. So, I, I, you know, Dallas and Minnesota have been like pretty cool facilities, but Atlanta, I think, for me, blew them away. And then from the Old-school-style stadiums, I loved Arrowhead. Yeah. Arrowhead as a, you know, the whole thing. I love Kansas City as a city as well. But just when you look out at Arrowhead, especially if you're high up on the in the stadium, you can look back out and you can see into the parking lot. And all you can see if you're in your seat a bit early is just tailgates as far as the eye can see. Right. Uh, so... That, that was a really cool atmosphere as well. These people, The people there were, were great.
2: Yeah, they were a leg- legendary bunch of the Chiefs fans. So yeah. what have you got next? What, how are you going to follow up? What's your next world record going to be? Can you try and break your own record? Are you going to t- tackle a different
1: sport? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I keep getting, I a couple of people have asked me this, what you know? What am I going to do next? So I'm, not, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to, have to have to think. So still someone did uh, say I should maybe try and do as many games in one season as possible... So, uh, yeah, who knows, who knows. I'll have to stay for for a bit longer uh, before I try anything else crazy.
2: Well, I love the Football Wanderer uh, tag as well, of course, as you go by, which has got a Hollywood movie written all over it. So I suggest you get the next flight from Atlanta down to L.A. and start negotiating the movie rights for this one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to to see who I can get get to play me in the film.
2: (laughs) I want to be in the film as myself. (laughs) <laughs> can I just be in the background on a screen just for a couple of seconds as myself listen congratulations it's a, a cracking effort we've been following you on social media uh, as well and if our uh, listeners of viewers want to do the same at JBB Football is how uh, you follow the football wanderer on social media because I'm sure there's more uh, to this story looking forward to the follow up the difficult second album in the meantime get some kip you've definitely earned it
1: great thank you very much thank you for having me on
2: look after yourself lovely stuff nice way to wrap up monday's show thanks to jacob thanks of course to greg brady uh bringing the a game once again we're back wednesday with iron mike j bell in the house this friday as well it is a bumper old week of pods so make sure if you haven't already wherever you are listening to us you've subscribed and you will not miss a thing we're rolling all the way through the season through the playoffs and to miami as well more about that shortly but exciting times ahead for the pod we'll see you wednesday with iron mike for now
0: Podcast Network.